This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. On today's show... Dude, uh, if it's not clear why you're being asked to do that mm-hmm. reflection, it feels sort of aimless and why am I being asked to do this thing after every interview somebody will go on there and be like I was in like BU and this is exactly what happened no one's in there being like I had a great interview they're only it's like a Yelp review with me today in the SCP studio it's the brilliant and elegant M4 Madeline Cusimano hello next to her is the insightful and delightful MD PhD student Riley Ian Bush hello there over there it's the Exceptional and incredible M3, Ananya Munjal. Hi. Joining us from the internet is the honorable and indomitable <laughs> M4, Emma Barr. Ah, uh, you're too kind. <laughs> and uh, we're also joined by Kate DeCherry, the Writing and Humanities Program Director. Thank you for coming, Kate. Yes, my pleasure. Before we begin, I want to welcome back our friends at Panacea Financial as the sponsor of this episode we want to tell you about their 2022 Match Week giveaway. So stay tuned for that a bit later in the show. Ananya, where yes. the hell have you been? Oh my God. <laughs> um, in a pit called Clinical Rotations. I've successfully clawed my way out. And now I'm studying for STEP, which, as I was saying, is a different, shallower pit, yeah. I think. <laughs> anyway. I got a shorter pit. Yeah, shorter pit for sure. Yeah. This is the worst time in my medical life. I don't know. I like him sleeping and working out, and I call that better. And also, it's pass fail. That's the that's the key to the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You step by a year, unless you're taking it right now. Unless you're taking in it in the next, next three days. Yeah. Which good luck to anyone luck that's listening. To my peers who are yeah. <laughs> more ambitious. Do you yes. know if many people in your class are taking it for a score? I like stopped asking because it made me nervous. But my poll so far, I know, right? And then I like when I study at the at the med school, I feel like maybe that skews the population of people that are trying to stay focused right now. I think it's like. In our like class wide poll, I think it was like sixty percent at that time we're not we're doing a pass fail and like forty percent ish we're doing a four score. And I don't know if that's changed. I know a lot of people that were gonna take it for a score pushed it back at the last minute. So I'm not sure. I would guess it's like fifty fifty ish. Yeah, it's been interesting like coming from your guys' class and having taken it last year. And I have zero horse in the race of would I have taken it pass fail or with a score. But it is interesting because a lot of my friends are going through that. Like you guys are going Mm -hmm. through that. And so I just didn't know how to how to manage it because it was like the it seemed like the worst decision in the world. Mm-hmm. Try to figure out if yeah. you would take it with less time but for a score versus taking it with maybe a week extra but yeah. pass fail. It just seems yeah. like those two things should be flip flopped. I know. Like and you should yeah. have less time and it should just be pass fail mm-hmm. or more time and it should be scored. So I agree. And then like also knowing that the people who are viewing that are gonna be comparing you to people who like inevitably will have a pass, mm-hmm. you know. So Yeah, it's yeah. super tricky. But it's even hard. I mean, I think it's rare, but even for my class who we all took it for a score, 
There are some, I know that Wash U's dermatology program. Yeah, they don't look. They don't, yeah. they've even stopped looking at them, yeah. which makes me think that there are at least some other programs that are doing that. And then I feel like by the time you guys are applying, even more schools will doing mm-hmm. that because they recognize yep. they're going to be looking at a mix yeah. anyway. So. I, I, I think what that says is that, you know, you're not the only ones in this confusion vote kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. they're all just sort of wrestling with the change as well and trying to figure out what it means for them. So right, yeah. this has almost been one of those things that like MD PhD students have kind of dealt with the whole time because they've always taken stuff yeah. like five years before they apply. Yeah. So one, the scores have always continued to go up. So it's always been mm. kind of that, that worry that, Oh, what I got now might've been good right now, but in five years, everyone gets smarter. So it's not going to look as great. Yeah. Uh, and even more so now just, I took it right or I guess we knew it was going to change the pass fails. So now not only will I have a score from five years ago, but it will also have been scored when everything else had been yeah, moved to pass fail. Right. So it is such a tricky situation. And I know we're kind of a, a special, I guess, part of that tricky situation, but mm-hmm. I think it's harder when you throw the entirety of med students into it instead of just like 10% of med mm-hmm. students. Well, Dave, what would you choose? I right would, now. I would choose pass fail. Right. Yeah. For, for the sake <laughs> of your mental health and well being. For, for the for the sake of not looking like a moron. I know. I, I mean it's true. Yeah. I feel like it would have been like obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but for me knowing that the three specialties that I was considering at this time last year, none of them really care about scores as yeah. much. I definitely would have taken it pass fail. Yeah. But I had the luxury of my passions were in specialties that don't care yeah. about that as well. Mm. And I guess my thinking was like, even, I don't know, people say it both ways for like competitive specialties, but I don't know. My thinking is like, they, they can't like not, like they can't not evaluate you. So I would personally, just knowing myself and like how bad I am at biochem, would just like rather not even give them that metric, you know, <laughs> let them just evaluate me on other things that I would prefer to be evaluated. Even if they want to score, I don't know. I kind of was like, this is my power. Like I don't have to give it yes. to <laughs> This is what, this is the autonomy I'm claiming. <laughs> But we'll see. I find test centers incredibly stressful because you don't well, realize yeah. that everyone's taking different tests. Oh my God. So I know. when I took the MCAT, I thought everyone else was taking the MCAT. Therefore, people just kept like leaving. And I was halfway done. And I, I was like, they must not be taking breaks. Like, yeah, they were these taking, people are insane. And they were taking re- their plumbing license. Yeah, yeah, they were not taking the MCAT. But nobody tells you that when you walk in. And so I assumed that everyone was taking the MCAT. And I did know. spend a good I think I learned little bit of energy. Yeah, the pre-chattering. Like, a I lot of people were taking nervous. like the teaching exam that's only like a half day. Uh, which practice. is nice. Yeah. Which is nice because they like they were all leaving at lunch. So like it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I was just dumb. I'm like mildly test superstitious. So I do have a favorite Prometric. It's the one that I took the MCAT sub one and sub two. And I had a special (laughs) spot that I would sit in for all my preclinical exams. I had like same shirt I wore for sub one. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love this. You wore one pair of scrubs for all of clinicals. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Every single day. Wow. That's incredible. That's intense. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate it. I was kidding about the scrubs thing. Yeah. Would you like to answer a listener question? I would yeah. love to. Yes. Let's do it. All right. Let's do that. We've got an anonymous listener I'm going to call Empirica Soberface. <laughs> let's hear Empirica's question. So last week you guys had a question about growth. 
I'm in a gap year, one of two. I'm applying it this spring, and I'm taking time for activities and experiences that will help me grow as a future med student and as a human being. The problem is that I'm terrible at reflection. I experience something and my brain goes, okay, that happened, incorporating empirical data, but I have a hard time digging into how the experience made me feel or what I can learn from it on a deeper level. So my question, what are some ways that you reflect on your growth experiences and do you have any strategies for reflection that you feel may be helpful to me? Thanks. Bye. So, yeah. So do you guys have this, like, I'm bad at reflection idea? I don't think personally. I, I think I get where she's coming from, but I think sometimes I think too deeply about my life. But I understand, like, trying to find, like, a regular way to remember the things that happened to you. Yeah. I can understand that struggle. And I have some ways that I've incorporated reflection in different times of my life. Yeah. I would say I always think I'm terrible at reflection when the event hasn't had enough time to like fester within me. So say yesterday I <laughs> had I had a That's moment That's what we of... really want with reflection. We <laughs> want it to fester within We need it to fester within us. And so I wait for the black tar to bubble up within my soul before I can really understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I need it to just sit there and then I need to have an aha moment where I'm like that wasn't very cool of me or wow, that was really weird that that happens, but totally normal to feel like you're just kind of going through life, experiencing things, taking in all the data, yet not having a moment to like actually think about it. And it could just be because you're so busy and you don't have time to sit down and think about your thoughts or you don't have the people around you that are really wanting to dive deep into their feelings. Or maybe you grew up in a household that didn't dive deep into like what happened in the past. So what you're feeling is super normal. And I think everyone feels it to some degree, but then it'll just hit you in an aha moment. Or at least that's what's happened with me. So so maybe uh, your advice might be to build in some time to think about the things that are happening around you. Yeah, I would say really sort of ponder them. Yeah, I mean, I've gone through a whole host of tactics that I've used to allow this festering. As of recent, I think journaling has been something I've gotten into essentially just going in to journaling. And you could go in with a prompt of, hey, let's reflect on X, Y or Z that happened to me in the past. But how I like to do it is. I just go free form. I will write down every thought that I'm thinking. It probably sounds like gibberish to anyone else that is listening. But for me, journaling is a great way to get all my thoughts and feelings out. And sometimes I'll realize that I'm actually working through the thoughts and feelings as I'm journaling about them. The second way is that I just love to talk to friends about things, Mm -hmm. like talk about how shit has gone so wrong in the past. Because I think when you talk to other people, one, you realize other people have gone through those same things. But also you get to be with your friends and a lot of times like misery loves company, but not in a bad way where you're bringing everyone down, just in a way that you feel normal and you're actually able to work through things and people can give you better perspective. Oh, I bet this bothered you so much because I see that one of your great qualities is that you just really want deep connections and maybe you just didn't get a deep connection with this person in the past. So that was a long rambly way of saying journaling and talking with friends (laughs) did you have any uh any feedback on that well so i was like listening to her um or them say they're they're taking a gap year Mm -hmm, right now mm -hmm. and i wonder if the reflection is kind of like geared towards that and so i think so i had to stop writing actually in in a converse to riley because i think like when i start writing i like tried to do this 
And then I think I get very caught up in kind of what it's to me sounds like the questioner's problem was, which is you want it to be like some perfect end and like you have an experience and you think, what does it mean? And there needs to be some great lesson that either I for myself can glean from this or I for a future essay. This happened to me all the time when I was applying. I was like, this is great and meaningful in some way. And I like want to portray this to somebody that wants to know why I'm interested in medicine. That was like my goal at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think what I started doing actually, because writing was like stressful to me because I wasn't able to do what Riley does, which is to just write. And I wish I was because I wanted it to be perfect. And so I took videos of myself like when something great happened it was like, like usually like when I was like walking back from the hospital or sometimes I would leave like my partner or my mom like these like voice memos I don't know if you guys like use that function mm -hmm. and I would just ramble about I guess like the writing form I would just ramble about whatever happened and I think when you when I like listen back to those or watch those videos of myself it's I think you later on kind of like somebody else is saying to give it time but I think later on you like get the message of what you know what you want to boil that down to but I think it's like important to know that these things are like messy and like great and they're not like or, or or horrible and messy but they're not like always I don't know I didn't leave like patient encounters for example being like from this encounter I learned resilience like from this I learned that people live horrible lives from this I learned that people are strong I think like mm -hmm. it took time to get those lessons and I think it was more important to just document it somehow and I think it's easier just to I mean it depends on how you know like what kind of person you are but I think it's easier to just you know, relay that information, like how it happened. Like for me, it was just important to be like, I do want to write about this someday. But like right now, I just want to like remember every single thing that happened. So like putting it down in audio, I guess, was just easier in that moment. And then yeah. I think later on, you're able to interpret it. Madeline, you uh, said you had techniques. What? Yeah. So I have tried journaling so many times in my life and it has <laughs> always failed me. And so I guess I just have so many friends that it works so well for. So if that's your thing, then definitely do it because it's like one of the most recommended things. But know that there's more than one way of journaling. So to me, like list journaling just is better because it takes the pressure off. And so, so list journaling. So just like writing down a list of things that you're thinking about, because I think it just takes less time, takes the pressure off if you start like overanalyzing every word that you're saying. But for me, I I lean more towards conversation. I have definitely recorded myself, not on video, but voice memos. And then also just having really deep connections with friends that just make sure they're regular. If you have something happen to you, maybe you could write it down so you don't forget to talk about it. Oh, this patient happened today on my, you know, gap year job. And then if you have like a Sunday morning coffee with a friend, then you can kind of parse that out. But the other thing that I have done is, okay, I'm trying to think. So I have not done this personally, but I have friends who have gone into therapy. And I think just both for like crisis measures, but then also a lot of people do it for preventative. So this sounds like more you're just trying to gather all these stories so that you can grow as a person. But I also think therapy can really provide growth. And then there's also something called coaching, which until recently, I kind of thought was a load of bullshit <laughs> because I had only heard of like people who have fake like nutrition degrees or, you know, kind of like a like a very scammy kind of coaching. But I've actually recently signed up for coaching with someone that I really trust who is a trained psychotherapist to just help me with career decisions. So... That, I think, is another avenue for Neat. reflection. Neat. 
I think I would echo a lot of what's already been said. I think being a reflective person, like some people are just naturally more reflective and introspective than other people. And I don't think that's necessarily good or bad. Sometimes it's suck. I, I would say I'm more of a reflective person. And sometimes it's annoying because I overthink things a ton. But I've also never been good at journaling. I, I guess I don't have the discipline or it sucks because people always give me journals. Maybe I look like a journaling person and I love like <laughs> how pretty they are. And I wish I could write in them, but I just mm-hmm. don't. But I also do the list. Like I do a lot of lists in my phone. And sometimes when I'm like feeling anxious or something's upsetting me, I just take out a list in my phone and say upsetting me and then the date. And I like list out all the things that I feel like are stressful or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, kind of just quick bullet points is helpful. I also have done the video thing actually after each of my interviews for residency, I've been in or um, videotaping myself on my phone to see like my reaction, because I've actually noticed that like the programs that I was really excited about, like I could see it in my face. Mm. I haven't listened to any of them because I hate listening to my voice, but I can see the picture of my uh, face. Other ways that I think I'm reflective. I also talk to friends. Like, I think I have really close friends that are also reflective people. So that's helpful. Mm. And I actually, I love distance running. And I think that's always been a time for me to be reflective and kind of a time where I can think about anything or think about nothing. And I think it's been really helpful, like throughout my clinical rotations, just ending the day with a run and thinking about kind of what happened today and going through kind of those patient encounters or not thinking about it at all if I don't have the mental energy. There's something else I was going to say about that. Well, oh, we, oh, I was going to say, um, if this, the question, question sender is Empirica, years, em, Empirica <laughs> sober fat, you know, I spent a lot of time coming up with this name, so I appreciate it if you would all use it. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, if they're thinking about like interviews for med school yet, they could actually just look at a list of interview questions and then start thinking about having those things in mind, like as they go through their gap year and starting to think of examples, because that's something that I felt like when we were going into residency interviews, I actually met with some friends and we went through some practice questions and even hearing them talking about their answers made me think of things in my own life that had happened in similar um, kind of situations. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcoats at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. You know, I thought it's important. It might be important for Empirica to have a goal, to have a specific Mm -hmm. goal. Because I think you guys are asked a lot to reflect. Mm -hmm. But just like empathy, reflection is poorly defined Mm -hmm. in many cases. And I know that's something that bothers uh, Kate sometimes. Kate, what do you think? It bothers me all the time. Okay. I mean, so what I think, we talked about this this morning. Dave was like, hey, I have a question about reflection that came in. And I then I like re- talked at him like a wall for <laughs> 25 minutes. Because I think there, there's, y'all are, and in lots of contexts, I think people are asked to do reflection. Y'all are asked to do reflection from the beginning of the of the time here. And my experience of it in general is that if there is, even, if it's not clear why you're being asked to do that mm-hmm. reflection, it feels like you're either not going to get anything out of it or it's sort of, aimless and why am I being asked to do this thing so I think that it's important to think about the purpose of the reflection and I think there's lots of complicated relationships with journaling I feel like sometimes here it's a version of that it's a sort Mm -hmm. of school formalized version of journaling Um, and to me the question is why are you doing it what do you want to do with it what is the actual purpose of doing this and then I think the other thing that's super important to think about is one like the way that we experience life is as messy as y'all described and as y'all live And then what we do is jam it into a narrative form. We jam Mm -hmm. it into a story form Mm -hmm. and we give it shape so that we can make sense of it. And that means that we are 
we are authoring like our own experiences and stories and memories. And so we're manipulating them there. And so to figure out like what they mean or how to get the meaning out is complicated because we've inserted our lens and perspective, right? Like I can't journal because when I was in college and after I was telling this to Dave, I was like, journaling is where I put my sorrow and my sadness and my feeling. Dear diary. I'm going to write my, like, I'm going to listen to indie rock and have feelings. And I did it. And it was so, so, so not true to what my actual lived experience was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is actually making me sad. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to do because this is what journals are for. For. They're like for my angst. Mm-hmm. And I was I was conjuring angst. And that's because I was like, oh, that's my understanding of this narrative structure, this narrative form. And it's actually I'm like doing it to myself. And so I think we can, we have to pay attention to the degree to which we're authoring our stories and experiences in that way, because mm-hmm. we have a certain amount of agency. But we're used to like a romanticized version of what a wedding is like or a marriage or what our life is supposed to look like. And y'all know, I talk about this all the time, what a med student is supposed to look Mm -hmm. like, what med school is supposed to feel like and all this stuff. And for Empirica, like gap year, you're supposed to grow as a person and find yourself and whatever. And you don't maybe know what for sure that's going to look like. So I always say don't try as best as possible to pay attention to what you're thinking about and what's front of mind. Mm -hmm. But, you know, let it and then and then if you want to document a document it however you're comfortable with it but i always say it's more about paying attention to what's front of mind so that you notice it just notice it you don't have to necessarily jam it into a story form or give Mm -hmm. it purpose and meaning Mm -hmm. and i think the other thing that's super important to me that is like maybe the most impactful is what is the context in which this experience is happening? Because it's being pushed. It's being pushed by what med school expects of you, what gap year expects of you. And those things push on and force the story into other kinds of shapes. And so I think, um, and then I think the other question is when we talk about growth and like reflection, we're talking about what do we value? What do we want our life to look like? Mm-hmm. What brings us joy? What brings us confusion? And you get a lot of external messages, especially y'all who are pre-med, MD, PhD, and med students. And so I always think, too, as you're identifying and describing that meaning, who's deciding where there's value and where there's not? And what's coming from you? What's coming from externally? What's coming from what you think a gap year should produce Mm -hmm. in your personal growth? And feel free to discard anything that doesn't feel real. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I I always feel like, you know, and I've said this on the show before, define your metric, figure out what is important to you. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the what it's important to other people. Figure out what is important to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your goals? Because she really just it's really more her question is more centered on growth. Right. So growth in what way? Then reflection. So, yeah, what are your goals? Because some people's goals for the gap year is just to have as much fun before they go into medical school and some which is pe- a very reasonable goal yeah totally. that was kind of my goal yeah and, and other people just want to you know more practically build up their resume or just even again like more personally work things out i think always a great goal for gap year is learning how to do adult things because adult yeah. things during med school learning how to do them is really hard so it's just okay i'm gonna learn how to meal prep and i'm yeah. gonna learn Balance how to file my taxes or, yeah. and yeah, yeah stuff like that but that might not be what she's talking about but yeah define your goals i've been really impressed by i feel like the past few questions we've gotten have been about growth and and gap years and i remember in my two gap years i wanted to make money and to apply to med school and to watch Netflix. Those are like my goals. So you Perfectly guys are valid. much more lofty than me. Perfectly valid. Well, I mean, 
I wanted know, to it, live at least one year in my 20s without having anything to study for. Yeah. But it's not like you can't learn and grow doing those things. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Y'all. I mean, like those are that's that's what being alive is. Like mm-hmm. the next professional academic step and Netflix, mm-hmm. basically. I mean, yeah, I think for me, one of the huge things that I had to break down as I entered med school was you come from an area where you feel like you must be academically inclined at all times. And med school still is that or you just want to be the best. Most pre-meds will probably say they got great grades or some definition of a good grade at some time along their their track and so for me it was why am I trying so hard for Uh these grades like why am I feeling like I must for example at Iowa why do I feel as though I must honor as a course because that was something where I had to look back and say okay why am I getting all this external validation from how I feel about grades and everything so that's just like one super great example of what you can start thinking about now on your gap year which is like what is my relationship with grades what is my relationship with external feedback these are things that I've been Mm -hmm. thinking about now for the past three years and I still feel like I'm getting way too much dopamine from when somebody tells me good job or you did great on something (laughs) something that you have to think about because grades are going to be such an important part of the next four years in my instance many extra years of your life and so I guess redefining what your relationship with that external validation is can be just one prompt that you could start thinking about now that mm-hmm. can serve you so great mm-hmm. uh, going into med school. Yeah, I think that's what I mean when I talk about those external things. And I know we've all talked about other things, too. We've talked about gender. We've mm-hmm. talked about the expectations of kind of what is expected of you, what scripts are imposed upon you. Mm-hmm by other things and other people and what are those things do you want to take on and what do you want to leave behind and I think figuring that out and then what I want my life to look like that's really what growth looks like but I also think Empirica my friend it takes a lot of time right Mm -hmm. y'all and it changes I feel like you may be super clear on what you want in gap year and in 10 years you may want some very different things and Mm -hmm. so I feel like too it's iterative And you're going to keep writing your response to these stories. And so I think, too, paying attention to all that external stuff and as much as possible, you know, trying to decide, here's the stuff I want to take from Mm -hmm. those scripts. And there's stuff I don't want that's Mm -hmm. that's harming me or making me unhappy or that I think is unhealthy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's it can be tough to discern that. But I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Something Mm -hmm. interesting that I just actually went through is that. You know, guys, did you guys take that strengths test when we came to CCOM? So the Clifton strengths test. And when I first took it, a lot of my strengths were things like achiever or I don't just the things where it feels like competition. I want to achieve things. And I just actually had to retake it this week. And I've done like a complete 180 where almost all of my strengths now are in my relationship building Mm. and Mm -hmm. learning and not necessarily the goal that I'm trying to reach, but like actually kind of how that how I get to that goal which is interesting because I just mentioned that I've spent the last three years of my life trying to like not get this external validation and I still feel like I struggle with it every day but yet I can see in this probably not like probably somewhat problematic strengths test that is probably not that accurate that I actually have shifted and changed and like my life is going more toward a trajectory that aligns with my values and where I see my life. Mm -hmm. And so you may not be able, like I didn't reflect on that this week. A test told me to reflect on that, but sometimes it just hits you in the face that, Oh, the work I've been putting in for the past three years has paid off in some ways. So Mm -hmm. look for those moments. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think Kate, 
touched on was, you know, paying attention to how you feel about how you're feeling about things in a, in a given moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great because it really, it, it really sort of, it should, it should be highlighting for you what it is that's important to you at that, at that mm-hmm. minute. If you're having some sort of reaction to something, that's a good time to pay close attention to, to that reaction and at least write it down, you know, store it in some way mm-hmm. yeah, so that you can, you know, so that if yeah. you want to, you can come back and, and sort of retrieve that and think about it. Um, and I also will say one other thing, which is be, don't be hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like y'all are, it, it's really, this, I think the folks that come to this kind of place, this kind of educational experience have a, the possibility to be hard on themselves i'll tell you this very quick short story that i think demonstrates that i might have told some of y'all this before but i have this really good friend and she's a poet and she's a very serious poet and we were having this conversation one time and it was this right we were talking about our experiences and she was reflecting and she was saying that she feels like she's a vessel for some sort of like muse and that's her poetry and it comes through her and she has to be tuned to the right station and we were having this discussion about poetry and she was like, anyway, pause that eyelash curler, no eyelash curler. What should I do? And she and the truth was we were getting ready to go to this workshop and she was way more worried about whether she should or shouldn't curl her eyelashes mm-hmm. than being a vessel for mm-hmm. a like creative muse. And so I and part of it is to say, like, that stuff's important to us, too. Mm-hmm. And all these other different aspects of our life. And that's why I say just pay attention. It may be yeah. that all you're thinking about is eyelash curlers mm-hmm. or like how badly you want mac and cheese pizza tonight. And that's valid Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be you don't always have to be thinking deep thoughts right the big Mm -hmm. stuff and part of it is to say all that little stuff is it's there and it's fine and it deserves space Mm -hmm. too and don't be hard on yourself Mm -hmm. i do think i have this theory in a way though that um every interaction you have every person you meet every experience you have sort of exerts a pull on you a bit like gravity you know and and the pull isn't always huge probably frequently not huge, but it does shape and push you into different, into maybe a different shape than, than you are right now. And I think most of us go through life just sort of allowing that, that push and shove to happen. And we integrate those things into ours, into ourselves without even really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have that luxury of not thinking about it, you know, I guess, because nobody's ever going to ask me to reflect on, you know, who, who is this, who is Dave Etler anyway? Why do you, why do you want this, this important thing in your life? Cause I don't want to go to med school. I feel like right. very few other places are going to ask you for mm-hmm. this sort of, this sort of reflection on what it is you're becoming mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't know. That's and just yeah. Well, I wanted to say, and maybe I'm like projecting on this person cause I also took a gap year, but it's a, like what Kate was saying about med students being like, you know, whatever you want to say, type A is a good umbrella term. But I I remember like being in a gap year and I don't know if the, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting their name. Empirica. Empirica. Thank you so much. Empirica Soberface. Empirica, yes. Is Soberface perhaps? I, maybe, <laughs> maybe, Ms. But anyway, Empirica, I don't know if Empirica is like feeling like this, but I remember in my gap year being like, I mean, it's like the most stressful time, especially when you're taking a gap year because you hope you've done enough and I, I know I'm projecting this but I like I'm wondering if these questions come from like empirical wondering if this is enough that like they've done enough to get in and they've grown enough and then you know to take that a step further that if they have grown enough that they've, they'll be able to talk about it and so I think what Dave said is really important that you know like you say that you don't know how to reflect and it's because we've talked about the definition of like reflection is so we don't know what it is exactly it's so vague and it's just this like nebulous if nothing really but i think when you talk about things you've done to like an admissions committee that is really 
you, you can tell when you're excited about something. And like more than that, you can tell when you've matured and had experiences that like brought you to where you are today. So just know that like you, you've done the work. So you'll be able to talk about it. And just because you can't craft some, you know, narrative right now doesn't mean that like you won't be able to when the time comes and it'll be way more organic anyway. So, but at, yeah. And at the same time, I don't want to dismiss their question either. I think that they're, you know, they're thinking about like the intentions are good. And if, if your goal is growth, then you need, as we said earlier, to define like your goals. And if you set up a regular time for yourself to incorporate silence into your life, mm-hmm. I also think is like we all need that. Whether our goals are reflection or growth or, you know, whatever, everyone needs a little bit more silence in your life. And however that comes out, whether that's just thinking about something, whether that's journaling, whether that's talking with a friend, if you just regularly keep track of like your goals for growth, then I think that you are on the right track. And so, yeah, I guess the other thing I wanted to add was like silence is really good because we're, as Kate was saying, we're constantly getting external feedback. So when you kind of remove that, whether it's social media, whether it's music in the car, whether it's always just having to be surrounded by people, which is my problem, you know, Mm -hmm. taking some time for myself. I think silence can lead to a lot of really great things. Yeah. That reminds me of something we talked about today, Uh which was we had a student doing the humanities distinction track a couple of years ago. And I've talked about this one other time on here and we've talked about her having her permission to share it, which we should. But what she wanted to do was exactly this, exactly what Empirica is asking about. So her project was during core year, she took an hour or an hour and a half every weekend And for 30 minutes, she meditated. But I think if you're not a meditator, you could go for a walk or go for a run or do something where you're not doing other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then and during that time, she just walked and paid attention to what she was thinking. And then she wrote it down and just sort of documented it. And she did it for a year. Mm -hmm. She missed weeks. But then after that, she went back and sort of read and reflected on the documentation of what she had been thinking about and was able to sort of distill some things about the experience of core year and the process and we have it we have all of her entries and we have her response to that and that was her humanities distinction track project and it's because and those and and emma and madeline know this like when you get to that point when you're at the end of third year and you're thinking about residency this is the conversation right this is what you're thinking about this is how you're processing it this is why when we write personal statements for me it's more like let's process your whole life and think through what you, how you want to shape your narrative. Because the, really the question is, what do I want my life to look like? What do, I, what do I actually want my life to look like? So that's another way you can go about it if you want to think about giving structure to this. Y'all are structure people. Uh, there's no rubric. I'm sorry. You're not going to get a grade. But there, uh, that is another way to do it. And Jane did it that way. And I think it really worked for her. You, you mentioned silence. Mm-hmm. And... One thing I've noticed is that there is very little silence in my life, Mm -hmm. even when I have the opportunity to do it. What am I doing? What do I feel like I have to be doing when there's nothing going on? I have to be looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. I have to be looking at the news. I have to be, you know, on Reddit. I have to be listening to a podcast. podcast. (laughs) I have to be or making one (laughs) or making a podcast. Yeah. Contributing to the lack of silence in the world. Mm -hmm. So that that sort of struck me. And, you know, I think it's something many of us think about, uh, especially us olds who didn't didn't necessarily grow up with a phone in our face mm-hmm. and we sort of we sort of go you kids these days and your cell phones and you should incorporate some silence into you mm-hmm. we also but, have no teeth in this <laughs> yes. in this iteration <laughs> but, that, uh, 
That reminds me of a clip of a TED talk I was watching yesterday um, while I was multitasking. It was um, <laughs> about like the importance of boredom. And they were saying that when you're bored and like truly bored, not when you're multitasking, not when you're like you know, checking your email because you got bored doing another task, when you're actually like bored and sit there in silence is some of the times when you're like the most, come up with the most ingenious ideas and when you're the most creative. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thinking about that with the silence, like maybe just let yourself be silent when you're bored. Don't turn to Instagram like I do yeah. um, and watch TED talks. Clips. <laughs> I, I feel like um, there's a reason, like shower thoughts. I are was just a gonna thing. say shower yeah, thoughts. Is, I was just yeah. gonna say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll be the first to admit too, though, that sometimes like the idea of sitting with my thoughts and just being is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because I'm afraid of what my brain might do, but mostly because I spend my whole day being inundated with pretty lights and colors and information and learning and reading and friends. And so for me, who tends toward the extroverted side to sit with myself and just be that sounds so scary what am I supposed to do with myself what am I supposed to do with my hands Mm -hmm. so if you're anything like me who doesn't even think she could do a minute of that I highly recommend a walk or some form of walking meditation meditation does not mean that you have no thoughts there's plenty ways to do it I've done the ways in which I'm like trying to get my brain to just get everything out of there and just like to be silent but in reality, what's been ben- more beneficial for me is to follow my trains of thought, mm-hmm. like just go with it yeah. and be in whatever I'm thinking. And I agree that whether that's creative that comes out of it or sadness or joy or any emotion, just be in that emotion and feel it. And don't say you're going to do it every day. Just say you're going to start doing it. Don't set a checklist because then you'll miss one day if you're anything like me and then you'll just quit. And so, yeah, I think it can be really daunting, but just <clears throat> set a one minute timer and then get out the door go and for a I, walk and i think you're right too that introversion and extroversion is one of the most salient characteristics like mm-hmm. like that will impact how your experience of this will be mm-hmm. because if you are extroverted and you need that social engagement you are going to be more obligated to those external pressures mm-hmm. because you want to maintain those relationships mm-hmm. and you want to fit in in that community and all these kinds of things and so the pressures and pushes on you are going to be potentially more intense. If you are introverted like me and you have no friends and that's fine, then <laughs> you don't really have that same pressure to to you know sort of fit in the community. You can sort of do your own thing because your isolation is preferable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that that also I think plays a huge 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 role in what your you know this reflection but what your experience of growth or or entering med school and stuff will be like. The degree to which you're extroverted or introverted because mm-hmm. you are about to enter a very intense social community. So that's a huge thing to understand about yourself mm-hmm. to go to, to sort of figure out as you go. I think we're socialized to be extroverted and to go have fun and go to parties and be with people. And I think you have to actually figure out what your line is because mm-hmm. that's that's really consequential. And even if you are actually very extroverted like myself, like extroverted to a fault, you still need a lot. Yeah. Yes. Right. And that is something yeah. that I learned when I was like 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your way of navigating it's going to be harder and different from mm-hmm. someone like me who's like, please let me be alone. I hope we've given Empirica Silverface something to think about and, and let us know how it goes. Always keep us posted. Love that. Our sponsor this week is Panacea Financial. As a bank founded by two MedPeds physicians, Panacea Financial is dedicated to helping doctors and trainees. Panacea offers loans, checking accounts, and concierge banking to medical students. Right now, they're also running a giveaway to students matching in 2022. Five students will be chosen to receive $500 awards. Entry is free. Check out their giveaway today. 
at panaceafinancial.com slash match 2022. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus member FDIC. Thanks, Panacea Financial. Appreciate the support. It's very nice of you. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. You guys, I'm a catastrophizer personally. And and if I start to think about a situation, I will automatically start thinking about the worst possible scenario, even if there's nothing for me to go on. In fact, if there's nothing for me to go on, that can make it worse for me. Here's a message I got on the Shortcoat Podcast listener line recently. That's a prime example of the sort of thing that can throw me into a tailspin. I'm actually calling to inform them now. Yes, that is the entire message. <laughs> I'm, actually I'm actually calling, calling to, to inform call them now. <laughs> okay. V- vaguely threatening. Yeah. Um, Nothing to go. After getting this message that evening, I think I half expected to go to jail <laughs> or be fired or some other. Audited. Cat, yeah, audited. Or I, Even though I knew I'd done nothing wrong. Even though I knew I'd done nothing wrong. So with that in mind, this, I mean, honest to God, it was like the, one of the worst evenings I've had in a oh, while. No. Oh, no. <laughs> but isn't it a little suspicious that you're so worried? Like you have something to go on in your head that you're like, they found out. What am I worried? I don't know. I want to know. I mean, maybe, I mean the, the only thing I could think of was maybe, it, it, I, my, my, first of all, my mind always goes to this podcast. This is the most public thing I do. So right. maybe maybe I said something, you <laughs> yeah. know, and they were going to call the dean. Maybe you're being canceled. They let you know. Yeah, I'm being canceled. You're canceled. My wife was like, Dave, it's a wrong number. Which my wife always brings me down. Yeah. She's, she's good to have around. See, but no matter how much a partner tells you, oh, don't worry about it. Like, my body is not just prepped to... Okay, yeah, you're right. I won't worry about it anymore. Now I have to worry about it more because I have to worry for two people because he's not worrying, so I got to worry extra to make sure this doesn't happen. I got to be ready some, for anything. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, you're not worried about this at all. But with that in mind, Emma, Madeline... Your residency interviews are winding down. Mm-hmm. You've spoken about your fears and some of your experiences this past fall as you met with with programs. So what I want to know now is which of your fears were realized and which of them do you look back on and go, oh, that wasn't worth worrying about. I feel like I didn't have anything major happen that like a fear, like a fear realized. Mm-hmm. I was like super, super nervous for my first few interviews, but nothing bad happened. Everybody was super nice. Mm-hmm. And well, what were you nervous like, about? I, I don't know, just like explaining myself well, representing myself well, answering questions. You always hear about these random questions that you might get. I didn't get any like super weird questions. I don't know. Technology fails. I did have one interview that was on Microsoft Teams. And I could not get my sound to work. Like I restarted my computer. I restarted the application. It just would not work. And then suddenly it just started working. And so it was fine. But at that panic moment, I was like, how, is it gonna, how am I going to, you know, conduct my interview? They're going to hate me. But I don't know. Nothing major happened. But there's a, you, you know, I was thinking also about, you know, the, the MSPE, the personal mm-hmm. statement, the oh, process well. of, a, of acquiring interviews. And I know that you had some concerns. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think my biggest fear was the personal statement, which Kate sitting next to me walked me through that, <laughs> that whole path. But I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, it, it was realized in the fact that I really, really struggled through it, but then I got through it. The statement? Yeah. What were, what was your fear? You were amazing. I mean, I, every time I went down to, I don't even know if I would call it fear. I yeah. just, 
Yeah, I wouldn't call it fear. I just really struggled with the process. I think it's a struggle for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my real fears were not getting any interviews, which didn't happen. Another fear, which is buried deep down inside, like I haven't worried about it yet, but I know it will come up, is just not matching at Mm -hmm. all. And then, like, similar to Emma, I had a fear of technology fails. I had an irrational fear. Like, I've had my computer for four years, and it, you know, I just know that once you have a computer that long, things start to happen. So I was pretty convinced that I my computer would just break and I would have to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen. The battery life is a lot shorter now, but that's about that's about it. Another fear was just... I knew that within the field of psychiatry, things weren't going to be as intense as other specialties, Mm -hmm. but I still was nervous on just like getting grilled or, you know, asking some off the wall questions. And literally every single interview that I had was just so relaxed. Like I never felt like I, I mean, I still was nervous, but in the actual conversations, I never felt like there was this unequal, like power balance in my head I still perceive it that way but the actual interviews themselves were all very conversational and so that was really awesome but I also have friends who like had a 15 minute interview where that were just grilled in other specialties so Mm -hmm. I think I just had a really good experience there and then I'm trying to think I had, I just, while you're talking, I remember that I did have a fear about my Dean's letter. There was a few things that I was like really concerned about. And I think in the long run, they didn't matter. But like, for example, I was on my OBGYN rotation when COVID hit. And so I only had like two weeks of it. And my comments under that section are like, Emma was doing great until the, or until she suddenly stopped her clerkship or something like that. But it has no mention of COVID. I was like, can you just add because of COVID? And they're like, nope, we can't change it. Oh my because God. of it, like the rules or something you can't alter the wording and because of our clerkships were pass fail like it, yeah, I couldn't even show that I honored it so I was like super nervous about that it did come up in one interview and they were like what happened with your OB-GYN clerkship and they're like did you get enough experience and so I had to explain everything but I think it was fine well but that was at one that thing point you're really about. thankful that they asked because I feel yeah. like the worst thing is just if someone were to have a silent concern that they don't bring it up mm-hmm. so you don't have the chance to defend yeah. yourself yeah. Would you guys say there have been um, more fears in the past when students had to travel to interviews? Because I could imagine there'd be a lot of like financial mm-hmm. fears, like a Zoom less or more stressful. My, more. More. Okay. I think it's wow. been more stressful. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think because of all the technology stuff you're talking about, but also that there's people are taking tons of interviews. And oh, so yeah. it, some of the interview sort of like market is saturated and things like that. And so mm-hmm. just like in general, the process seems the things I was just saying to Dave, I had my first personal statement meeting for this coming September wow. yesterday. Wow. Oh, wow. That's or so the really, day before. I think so the anxiety really. is getting ratcheted up every year. Yeah. The last yeah. few years. I also had a huge fear and I, I think it was bigger when interviews were coming out, a fear of not matching mm-hmm. the numbers for OBGYN. It's getting more competitive every year. Mm-hmm. And just by the numbers, like 40% of applicants aren't going to match just because there's not enough spots Wait. Oh my gosh. in OBGYN. Yeah. Cause there's 2,500 applicants for 1500 spots. And that's just domestic applicants, I think. Oh my, oh my gosh. God. Yeah. And I thought so, psychiatry was getting 
Yeah. It is, so I got but... really anxious when I heard those numbers and, and I'm not just nervous for myself, but for my classmates, I think my classmates are going to be f- phenomenal doctors mm-hmm. and I've worked with a lot of them and I think that they're great people. And I just, it's going to break my heart if any of us don't mm-hmm. match. So, and I, I, so something else that, so I don't know if you guys have been on this, but I think because of the nature of the virtual interview, more people are just like online more. And so like every, this is so toxic, I shouldn't even bring it up, but like every like specialty has like this like spreadsheet in the interwebs that are mm-hmm. on Reddit. And I have been on a lot of the third year medical students that I know are in them. And oh, the I didn't even know about don't, that. Yeah, good. <laughs> Wait, I shouldn't what? even say it. I, I know, shouldn't I knew said about it. it. Like it's more for some I found specialties. out in September. Like right. I didn't know about yeah, it. Well, before. that's what I'm saying. I don't think that in the past, like third years were like in these spreadsheets, but I think just because yeah. everything is just, everything is more virtual and you feel like you need to have all the information you can get. I don't know. And I like look at the people that are like, and it's all anonymous and like people are like in there, you know, talking about like every single thing after every interview, somebody will go on there and be like, I was in like BU and this is exactly what happened. Or like I was in like NYU or, you know, University of Michigan. And it's just so, I think because you have more access to the virtual, I think that's like never a good thing. No one's in there being like, I had a great interview. They're only it's like a Yelp review. Like you only do it when you're like stressed or, you know, something went wrong. And well, so there's think- a lot of trolls. I've heard that yeah. ortho spreadsheet got like completely torn apart right. by trolls. And um, yeah, but I think it's just like a lot more anxiety. Like that's palpable. Whereas I think there's like a great beauty in just not knowing how anyone else, like what they're doing, mm-hmm. how they're performing. Like I wish I could just like not know, but now I can't like get off these spreadsheets. I, I go on the spreadsheets because yeah. I feel like it's actually comforting to know that I'm not the only one going through like this anxiety. Yeah. And I feel a lot, at least in the OBGYN, I think that people are really nice and respectful and mm-hmm. encouraging mm-hmm. and really stand up for each other. So I don't know. I don't think that's the same for every specialty. Yeah. Definitely not yeah. for the whole OBGYN one. But I think it can be helpful in times too. But also I see how it could be like mm-hmm. you get too much in your mind and compare yourself mm-hmm. to other people. Well, I think one of the things I want to ask you both about too, and that I see and hear about from students anecdotally is that there's so much isolation in this experience because you don't even want to tell your friends necessarily how many mm-hmm. interviews, where you're interviewing, what's going on, or certainly the other people applying in your same specialty. And so you don't know. And so you grasp these sort of like anonymous online resources because you feel like there's information there and that's because we've set up this this sort of environment here where it's difficult to talk to each other about it and i I also think that it's probably just because you know you you don't want you really don't want to start comparing yourself to other people you're you're asking because you're asking out of that motivation but at the same time yeah starting down that path is very uncomfortable but like circling back to the reflection and what you brought up dave in terms of the metric like you cannot compare yourself and your future to other people. Yeah. The number of interviews doesn't mean anything. It only matters if you happen to get the place that's a good fit. It doesn't have anything to do with mm-hmm. anything else. Y'all are going to look for different things. You're looking for different cities. You're looking for different kinds of programs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I wish we could let go of this idea of like prestige and tears mm-hmm. and just oh say God. what is going to be a good fit for you where you're going to be happiest or least miserable. 100%. Because that's the thing that you should be most after and that we should be encouraging everybody to figure out and pursue pursue and that way it's more about what's my this goes back to the reflection question Mm -hmm. what do I want my life to look like what are my priorities and they aren't going to be the same which means apples to apples isn't a real thing Mm -hmm. in terms of like your life trajectory so yeah one of my best friends here she's applying IM and just in the very beginning like when we started receiving invites and I was like it's up to you 
but I feel like I really need someone that I can just fully share with. And so I was like, we're applying completely different specialties Mm -hmm. that operate completely differently. So we're not going to compare each other, but I want to hear your joys and successes and your fears and disappointments. And I want to share mine too. And so we had that agreement from the very start. That's um, so good. It's very just, intentional. I like that. And yeah. it's so yeah. healthy. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I, there's not too many people applying psychiatry, but there's one person that I'm closer with. And I've just told myself, I just want to ask how she's doing. And we also practiced interview questions and whatnot together. But I told myself I was not going to ask numbers or anything mm-hmm. with her because even though we both mutually respect each other a lot, I didn't, I'm not best friends. And also I just didn't want to add in that comparison. So yeah. I kind of, operated it but I it's it's really hard because you see someone you haven't seen in a long time oh how are interviews going and you don't know if they only got three invites Mm -hmm. or not thankfully no one's had that reaction thus far but it's this weird balance Mm -hmm. of really caring about your classmates but also not wanting to add that extra pressure to Mm -hmm. yeah I think I've been super lucky. I also, I have a one group of friends that we're all applying to different specialties. And so we tell each other where we're interviewing because it would be awesome to match in the same city yeah. and, and we care about each other. And I think that's partly the culture of Carver is that like we're a collaborative school. And I think that it um, Carver attracts people who like that kind of environment. And then I have two other friends that are also applying to OBGYN and we've shared, you know, where we're interviewing, we don't share numbers, but we're all looking for different things. So like Kate said, like we're not competitive with each other because we don't want mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. It would be cool if we match at the same program, but we're not like expecting that or, or comparing each other. So that's so healthy. Good for y'all. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're all uh, pretending to be so healthy about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's our show. Emma, Madeline, Ananya, Kate, Riley, who left. Thanks for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank thanks, you. Thanks for having me today. You're welcome. And what kind of irrational fear would I be if I didn't <laughs> thank you, Shortcodes, for making us a part of your week? If you knew and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Our editors are Maddie Walleen and Nick Lind. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine student government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Cat Atmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one Hi, Shortcoats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too.